felt frustrated by higher education's four-letter S word. I'm talking about silo. Are you at a loss for how to effectively collaborate with other departmental leaders on financial matters? If you said yes, trust me, you're not alone. Welcome to our October episode of News and Brew Sports Biz, our to the point podcast and video series that features new developments related to the coronavirus pandemic and other emerging issues impacting the business of college sports. I'm your host, Katie Davis, the leader of the James Moore Collegiate Athletic Services team. This month, we're branching outside of the athletics business office to talk about external operations. Joining us today is Tim George, Senior Associate AD for External Operations and the Chief Marketing Officer for the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. Welcome, Tim. Um, let's hey, start hey. off um, telling me about your brew. Yeah, so I have a Natty Greens Amber Ale. Um, Natty Greens is a Greensboro, uh, local Greensboro brewery, actually a couple of UNCG guys uh, that run it. Uh, one of my favorite beers, uh, I like Amber's anyway, um, and uh, Natty Greens uh, is named after Nathaniel Green, who was a Revolutionary War general, who Greensboro was actually named after. Uh, but they do a lot of great, uh, a lot of great beers over there, and the Amber, uh, it's, it's a buckshot. Uh, Amber is what it's called, and it's one of my favorites. Yeah, that sounds good. I haven't tried that brewery yet, but I look forward to it next time I'm up in North Carolina. Definitely, highly um, recommend it. Yeah, I, I appreciate that you also like craft beers and um, showcasing something unique to your area. I'm going with the October theme, and this is not our area, but it's the Sierra Nevada Oktoberfest, which is always a really good Oktoberfest for this time of the year. I'm switching it up from my normal IPA to feel a little bit more like fall. Um, and uh, a shout out to Chico, California, which is where Sierra Nevada is located. Um, my partner in crime here at James Moore, Ken Kurzel, was born and raised in Chico. So he's partial to Sierra Nevada. So I'm excited. He actually brought this beer to me to use today. So, oh, so cool. um, yeah, so it's really good, though. So um, I, I love uh, I love Oktoberfest beers. Actually, um, I've got a Shiner Oktoberfest in the fridge right now that I've been drinking as well. Uh, but yeah, I love this time of year because I do love the Oktoberfest. I'm like you. I, I really enjoy IPAs, but I usually switch it up a little bit in the fall. Um, I love the IPs, IPAs in the summer for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, well, I want to start off by asking you to share a little bit about your history in college athletics. What got you in the industry? How did you get where you are now? And what roles do you currently fill at UNCG? Yeah, sure. So the way I got into college athletics uh, actually was, I don't i don't guess I would say it was an accident, but it wasn't what I was in, intending to necessarily go into. I, I knew I wanted to get into sports and I needed to do an internship as a part of, uh, actually as a capstone uh, for uh, graduation at the University of Missouri. and just so happened there was an opportunity in the marketing department as a volunteer intern uh, in in, uh, in athletics there and uh, so I ended up getting that opportunity loved it and did that uh, worked as a, as a volunteer intern at, at Missouri for uh, two and a half years and uh, two of those while I was in I should say while I was an undergrad and then when I graduated they kept me around for a little bit longer um, at a at, with pay, which was probably, I think, like $500 a month. <laughs> it was not very much, but but uh, it was something, and it kept me around, and I enjoyed it. I loved it. 
and uh, got uh, was fortunate after graduate or after leaving Missouri and my internship was up, I went to the University of Florida uh, actually to be a, an intern in the marketing department there. And that's where it really, I really kind of started to think, hey, I might, you know, I could, I might be able to do this for a career. Um, couldn't believe, honestly, that it really that side of the business even existed that you could get paid to do those kinds of things. So um, I loved it. My time in Gainesville was awesome. Enjoyed a, a year there, and I was there right after Danny Warfel uh, uh, had won the national championship and the Heisman Trophy in '96. So I was there in '97, which uh, was funny because for Gator fans, it was you know kind of a down year, but it was it was a blast. It was still awesome. Uh, uh, had the incredible win over Florida State in the final game uh, there at the Swamp, and then uh, went to the Citrus Bowl, played Penn State. Uh, uh, Coach Donovan was there as well for basketball. I should mention for football was of course Coach Spurrier, uh, but it was just incredible. And just to be around um, that department and get and getting the opportunity to really just get thrown into it. I mean, I, that's probably one of the things that I loved was. Uh, they, while they definitely gave you guidance, I mean, they threw you right in the deep end of the pool and said, go for it. And uh, it, was, it was great. It was a great learning experience and, and just a, a really neat opportunity for me uh, to come from Missouri. I'd never lived anywhere else and to go down there and just kind of see something different. Um, mm -hmm. So I was at Florida for that year as an intern, uh, then, you know, made the, the probably the unusual step to go to Georgia. Uh, from Florida and was at UGA for four years in their marketing department as an assistant director and then associate director of marketing. Um, went from Georgia up to or out to TCU uh, out in Fort Worth, Texas. And that's where I it, uh, discovered Shiner Bach, by the way, <laughs> at that brewery. And but uh, and loved TCU as well. Was there for two years and then had the opportunity to go up to the University of Oklahoma and work with my former AD at Missouri, Joe Castiglione, who is at, uh, is at Oklahoma and still there, um, which uh, was, was also really cool because uh, Coach Stoops had been in Florida when I was there, and then Coach Stoops was at Oklahoma when I got up there. So um, it was fun to follow his career path as well. And obviously he was incredibly successful there at Oklahoma. Uh, so it was at Oklahoma for six years. Uh, Again, in marketing, was assistant AD for marketing. Uh, also, uh, started in our tickets, as ticket sales department uh, there at Oklahoma. So a real outbound effort that we'd never had before, and uh, just a, a way to find new revenue. And uh, and that was my first foray really into the ticket office, and was a great opportunity though. Again, talk about opening your eyes to just different things and different challenges. Uh, and then I made my way out here to Greensboro, uh, and I've been at UNC Greensboro. This is my 10th year now, which is pretty hard to believe uh, that I've been out here that long. Uh, but it's been an awesome ride. Uh, I have enjoyed, you know, every step of it. Uh, I think the one of the neatest things for me is just to be able to kind of go to, you know, go to different areas of the country and see how they just kind of absorb the culture and, and just kind of learn mm -hmm. about those areas and. Um, so it's been it's been a, an awesome ride and uh, it's been really, uh, I think, re I'd say rewarding here at UNCG. Certainly when I got here, uh, you know, we we were we were really in the rebuilding mode um, or I would probably just say building mode of this department. It, it had been 
uh, Division One at that point for about, I guess, about 15 years. And uh, they'd been very successful at D3, but had never quite been able to make that leap at Division One. And uh, matter of fact, my second year here in, in basketball, which is our flagship sport, we don't, we don't have football, but uh, my second year, we went 0-15 to start the year for basketball. That's pretty, it puts you in a pretty deep hole, um, you know, for, for your marketing plans or anything else. So we, um, you know, we fought through it and uh, we've uh, since, you know, turned into a, quite a, uh, I should say, a, maybe not a perennial power, but, uh, but uh, definitely a perennial contender for the Southern Conference Championship every year. And we've been in the NCAA tournament, which was probably one of the, the uh, coolest things that I've been around is the, to see, a, you know, just a program and a, a staff and a fan base uh, that had been wanting something for so long. Um, you know, after I think seven, it had been 17 years since they've been in the tournament. To, so to see that and just all that emotion and uh, that, that goes along with it was a really fun experience. Um, so, yeah, I've, like I said, I've, it's been a, a wild ride, <laughs> kind of been, uh, you know, in a, one big loop, it seems like, uh, around the country here. But, um, but now I'm at UNCG as a senior associate AD for external operations. And as you mentioned, our chief marketing officer and really uh, have, have worn a lot of hats here. And currently my current focus now is really on revenue generation, marketing, branding, um, and, and just really engaging with our fan base uh, at this point. Yeah, which I mean, now more than ever takes the creativity of someone with your background and uh, what you failed to mention is that um, you're an American hero, at least maybe in the eyes of the Gator Nation, um, because you were part of a group that uh, kicked off and started up the Rowdy Reptiles, which is the student <laughs> section for the That's basketball right. of the Florida Gators. And so, um, I mean, just taking is, I still remember that process very well. I can still remember us getting like the names in from people and, and working with Mike Hill, who's now the AD at Charlotte, and like us talking through like, Okay, what are we gonna go with? And and yeah, it's it's funny. It is really cool to see that now, like what that student section has turned into from what it was at the time, which was really small group kids that, you know, were passionate, but there just weren't a whole lot of them. And and to see what has grown into now has been really uh, really impressive. Yeah, well, that I mean, I think that experience probably helps you with figuring out how to engage fans in this new COVID world and. Um, you know, especially as a mid-major program without football, um, you've got your eyes on basketball. So how has your department adapted to COVID and prepared for this year? Yeah, so it's been, um, you know, for us, I guess one of the positives about not having football was, has been that for us, we've been able to really kind of monitor what football, like what the schools of football have been doing to prep, you know, and, and um, we've, we've certainly been prepping as well, but we can, you know, they're kind of the guinea pigs, so to speak, a little bit out there for us. So we can kind of see what's working, what's not, and then really kind of, um, implement the, their best practices. Uh, now it's certainly going to be a little different protocols will be different since basketball is an indoor sport. And I know that's going to change things a little bit, but, um, that's been, uh, that's, that's really what we've been, you know, kind of trying to do as we prepare for events. Now, just in general, from an external standpoint, we've, as you can imagine, we place a lot of emphasis on, on uh, finding new revenue streams and engaging with our fan base uh, through other mediums that 
maybe they've always been there, but we haven't probably put as much time into them because it's usually you're really worried about your events and how much engagement you can get there. Well, when those went away, um, you know, it was, we had to make some decisions pretty fast about, you know, how do we stay in touch with our fans? Because we don't want to just be silent for <laughs> months on end. And, and at that point, again, you didn't know how long things were going to last. So uh, we put a lot of effort into um, like online merchandise, um, Zoom uh, or other web-based, you know, opportunities to engage with fans. Um, and then now looking ahead, even our game broadcasts and how those might change now that we don't have people in the building, but we still, or, or not many, maybe not a full house, but we still want to be able to connect with those folks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I think just continuing to be fluid through that and um, figuring out how to engage with your fans and where they are. And, you know, for example, I know on ADU recently recognized UNCG among other schools as being one of the more successful and from a marketing strategies through social media. So congratulations on that recognition. Oh, and thank you. That, that was I didn't even realize they were doing that, but it was a, a really um, uh, satisfying for us because we had uh, a couple of years ago decided to put a lot more emphasis and strategy behind what we were doing with social media. Uh, and so it was really, uh, like I said, it was really satisfying to see that um, recognized, and, and especially in the way that they did it to kind of break it down by um, your engagement rate with, you know, with depending on upon kind of the, the number of followers you have, where obviously like a Florida or someone is going to have a lot of, of folks following them. Um, you know, for us, what I kept telling our staff and, and others is, you know, that's great because it recognizes that even though our numbers may not be as large or as massive as some, it means that we're connecting with them in the right way. And so, yeah, we take a lot of pride in that. Yeah, yeah, no, that's excellent. And, um, you know, as you're engaging with fans, of course, it's, you know, to help build a base to support your student athletes, but also look at ways to generate revenue. So, you know, as, as part of external operations, you're looking at revenue generation and how has your team utilized alternate streams to generate revenue during this time? Yeah, you know, I mentioned uh, online apparel or online merchandise sales. We've actually placed a pretty large emphasis on that um, this, uh, during COVID. You know, our, our staff's found some unique opportunities um, to provide items that our fans might not have have had access to previously. You know, as a mid-major, it's our fans don't always have the same kind of access that someone might, a fan might of a power five school. You know, you could probably go out right now and find almost anything you can think of from an apparel or merchant, you know, or some kind of merchandise item with a Gator logo on it. You mm -hmm. know, for our fans, that's not necessarily the case. So we, we were kind of trying to find what are those things that either might be hot or that uh, just we've never been able to really service our fans with in the past. And, you know, so obviously face coverings was a natural, but um, it was interesting because we just weren't, we weren't seeing face coverings out there with like branded ones in the marketplace. So we did it on our own and worked with uh, BSN, a, a partner of ours and sold a ton of them. It was great. I mean, our fans loved it. So anything we can do to kind of engage them. Um, and then we also just recently launched a, uh, a, a subscription box uh, mm -hmm. called Spartan Co. Uh, you know, it's like the what Dollar Shave Club and these different kinds of kind of subscription yeah. box ideas. And 
um, has been really interesting, uh, a really interesting project and fun. And we've, uh, you know, had decent success to kind of get started. But honestly, the way we're looking at it is, okay, this is a, a learning experience. We want to keep doing this. So we, it was a really uh, great way to kind of start. And now we've been, you know, kind of mining through the data that we're getting of, of who bought and why and those kinds of things. And uh, looking forward to launching our next one in the winter um, with new items and just kind of see how we yeah. can kind of keep, keep growing that. But that's all incremental revenue that we never realized before. So it's, you know, it was just finding a different way to, to go out and, and get some new, like, as you mentioned, new revenue streams. Um, you know, we have, and we have another upcoming adventure that I won't release just yet because it isn't out yet, but I'm excited to get going. Um, that is another, again, it's another merchandise opportunity. Um, you know, we'll, and we're going to do obviously, uh, the fan cutouts as a, as we get close to basketball or get into that season. And um, the other thing that we've done is really we've tried to uh, collaborate more with the Spartan club, our uh, fundraising arm and just help them however we can. And whether that's making phone calls, whether that's putting together some campaigns for them. Uh, again, normally this time of year, we are slammed with other sports going on or prepping for basketball and ticket sales. And so it's just kind of changed right now. And so we're trying to, to provide as much value and, and uh, generate as much revenue as we can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a good point of when it's quiet, it allows you to be a little bit more creative and maybe participate in different areas of operations that you normally don't have time to. And I think it's really valuable. I would say a lot of people in the industry, um, are really focused on getting that fundraising experience. And now is the time, now's the time to really get that experience for career growth uh, in that area. Um, how has your business office communicated with you and other leadership staff during this time? Yeah, I think, uh, well, it's funny, I think the key word there really is communicate, communicate and communicating. Um, you know, it's so important to keep clear lines of communication uh, right now, I mean, it always, but right now, especially, uh, there's just, even if there's no update, but just to update, here's where we are, just a reminder on things, because, um, again, things can change quickly, and I think sometimes, uh, you know, no communication can lead to kind of negative <laughs> communication, filling that void, and so just to hear an update of what's going on or where we need to be is helpful. Um, our business office provided, you know, weekly updates in our leadership team meeting. Uh, that then all of us as leadership staff can kind of disseminate to our um, uh, teammates. But then also, you know, frequent email communication of just trying to reiterate the point and where we are and, and kind of what way, what direction we're, we're needing to go. Um, uh, and that's, you know, I can't stress how vital it is, you know, for the business office to, um, and the external areas to, to communicate like that, especially, um, and to collaborate on the overall needs of the department. That's, you know, I, I think it's beneficial um, for the revenue generating areas to understand like the goals and the background behind them. Um, and then it's beneficial for the business office to understand the challenges of the external areas, you know, and make sure we're all being realistic with the expectations and what might or might not be feasible uh, because it'd be great, you know, sure the business office can say, okay, I need you to go, you know, increase by 40%, <laughs> you know, next year. And then there may be reasons we say, well, look, that doesn't line up with what is realistic. You know, that'd be great if we can do it, but let's really talk about what is realistic and let's work together on finding, uh, finding some common ground there. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, you made a really good point about, you know, understanding your goals. And when everyone's working toward a common goal, you will have so much more context um, too. whether it's just understanding the goal and clarity around that or even what your financial situation is in an ever changing environment. And like you said, no news. In this case, no news isn't good news necessarily because right. the voice in your head fills the void generally with some negativity. So, um, you know, being upfront and continuing to communicate, even if it's the same thing, um, most people that aren't working directly in the business office, you know, accounting isn't their primary language. So the more <laughs> times you communicate it, I think the, the better it's understood um, by everybody else that isn't necessarily familiar with that frame of mind. So um, all really good points. And hopefully those that are in the business office world are taking notes and understanding what they can do on their side to really help make your whole department um, operate a lot more effectively. Um, what have you done in your areas to adapt to COVID? And with these adaptations, um, do you feel they would continue to be utilized when things are back to, you know, quote, normal again? Right. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think the first one that probably gets overlooked some, I think people are doing it, but it may be overlooked when people kind of talk about what they're doing. Um, I think one is just empathy for your colleagues and your teammates. Um, and not only that, I mean, really your fan base and others, but, you know, it's it's not business as usual right now. And I think, and people understand that, but I think it's, you know, it's things are different. People might need to take off, you know, earlier, take off the morning to help their kids with school or you know they they might need to just do they might need to work different hours uh, than what we're accustomed to i mean we're in athletics so clearly yeah we work a lot of different hours and kind of strange hours but i think um i think the empathy side is something that we've i've tried to do and i think all of us have tried to do um, uh, or have more of for our colleagues and like i said our teammates and um you know, I think the other is a couple others is certainly engaging with the fan base um, through video and merchandise and and uh, like I mentioned, like Zoom and game broadcasts, like just differently than what we've what we've done in the past. I mean, it's it's always been the um, you know it's always been as I mentioned so driven around events, but I think now you know now that's changed, and I think that will continue. Um, uh, as well, um, you know, working remotely. I mean, I'm clearly remote today. Uh, has obviously uh, been something we've done a little differently to, to provide some flexibility for people. Um, and then you mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I just call it flexing our creative muscles. Uh, you know, in the absence of our normal kind of duties happening, uh, our staff has had the opportunity to kind of flex those creative muscles and it's kind of fun to go in sometimes to just say, okay, nothing's off the table. There are ideas. What do you got? You know, <laughs> so um, we've, there's been some really fun things that have come out of that. And, and I think things that will continue for us, um, you know, again, going into what will continue, I think the various ways to engage fans um, away from game day, uh, as we've already been seeing, uh, it might not be Zoom, but kind of those personal touches um, that might not be in person, but they're quick, easy, they're effective. Uh, those I think will stay around. It's just, they're too easy and, and cost effective not to do. 
and fans seem to like them. Again, people are going to get zoomed out, and they already are, but there's going to be different ways that I think it can continue to evolve digitally. Um, and then with game broadcasts, I think you'll see those could, could change with less staff on site, uh, potentially not, met, not necessarily broadcasters, but maybe some of the folks doing graphics and things like that. I mean, that, again, it'll be less expensive for the companies to do it. And, if they, and for someone, if they don't have to travel, but they can still get paid to do their job, uh, you know, some of them would probably be on board with that. Uh, so I think you'll see those will be some of the things that will continue. Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, technology has allowed for this prior to the pandemic, but I think a lot more people are willing to um, learn new tricks. If, you know, the old dogs saying of, you know, when you're forced to embrace it, you have to embrace it. And so, um, you know, I think every industry sees that and just being able to still have meaningful connections, um, be effective and and um, more more cost effective and more um, effective at what you're doing if you're doing it in a setting that's best for you. So uh, yeah. I'm excited to see what happens uh, post pandemic with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what changes in the industry have surprised you the most since sports shut down in March? Uh, you know, I think one, and we, we were just talking about game broadcast, the, the creativity that I've seen come out in some of these game broadcasts. Now, again, albeit some of these are NBA and they, they definitely have a lot of, um, uh, of uh, resources to make some of these happen, but just some of the creativity that, that I've seen around those, um, as well as around fan engagement. You know, uh, the way people really early on, you know, it, it was not long into I, things kind of quote unquote shutting down that, that there was a, there was a, just a big um, difference in the amount of content you were seeing out there for fans and the way that we were engaging with them. I know personally for our team, uh, and I'm sure I think it was this way for probably for most, when everything kind of grinded to a halt, there was that, again, you weren't sure how long it was gonna last, but then when it started looking like, hey, lots of things are getting canceled, it was, it was kind of a gut punch and it was, you know, not just because something was canceled or people were, I don't think at that point people were fearful of like economic you know, uh, impact and how jobs might change or things like that. I think it was just more like, Hey, you know, we all identify with these teams and these are part of these teams and maybe not to the extent of a coach and student athlete, but we care about them and it's student athletes and everything that's happening. And so, it took, I know for me personally, it was, it, it took a little bit of time to just kind of almost reconcile that in your mind and be like, okay, we're moving to something different. And but once we did, you know, as I mentioned, the the ability to flex those creative muscles. When I got up, when we were having our Zoom, you know, meetings there early on and uh, as a staff and just starting to try to talk about things that we can do and what we needed to be doing, like, the ideas that were coming out were really cool and creative. And, you know, a lot of times it was just, what can we actually make pull off? Like with the amount of staff we have and we're not in the offices and things like that, how can we make these things happen? But, um, so I think th those were a couple of things that really stood out to be the creative creativity of those game broadcasts and, and the fan engagement content. Um, also just that quick shift, how quickly people everywhere were able to do that, um, to shift kind of to digital options and, 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 in many of the ways that I've already kind of mentioned. Um, 
you know, the other thing that I maybe maybe wasn't um, an industry change, but it was something that surprised me was the like fans' desire for content without events. I mean, you know, we're all always fans and, and of your team uh, or teams, but usually there's events to look forward to or it's the off season and you're looking forward to the season coming up. But like when you're supposed to be playing and you're not, I, you know, I, I guess I did not account for how much fans would still be just dying for content, no matter what it was, uh, which was reassuring in some ways. You know, for certainly for those of us who are, who are in it that are like, oh my gosh, we don't know if there aren't games going on. Are they going to care? And and you know, by and large, our fans were saying we still care. We want, you know, we we want we just want to hear from you. We want to see anything you can, whether it be videos or updates on what they're doing right now and how everybody's coping with things. Um, so that was uh, that was something I did not expect. And and one thing I I, I want to point out that um, I should have earlier is. You know, talking about the creativity and, and the things that people have been doing, not just in our department, but around the country is, you know, I, I want to point out the, the importance of like of the creatives, the creative staff of the like the designers, the, the marketing folks, video and ticket, all those development, communication, social media. I mean, all those different folks in the athletics departments and, and sports organizations all over the country, because um, those staff members have been the, like the voice of the teams connecting with the fans. I mean, they're the ones who've really been, um, who've really taken it to the next level. Uh, they probably don't get nearly as much credit as they deserve. Uh, usually, you know, those are considered more in the in the background, but man, they have stepped up in a huge way. And, and I know the coaches and the athletes are the ones who, that's who people wanna see, but there's that person behind the scenes that is connecting the two, the, you know, the, the coaches and student athletes with the fans. and. Um, they have been phenomenal during this time. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, that's really a huge driver to the financial success of a college athletics department is getting relevant information to the fans in a timely and meaningful manner so that the fans stay engaged, the fans stay interested, and, um, you know, people's expectations change and circumstances change. So constantly having to, shift and pivot to meet um, those changes and continuing to be creative. So I hate to see that, um, you know, in a lot of schools, uh, there have been a lot of great people across all departments that have, you know, had their jobs changed as a result of the pandemic. And, um, you know, I've, I just really, my heart goes out to all of them, but I do think that, you know, any way to save those people behind the scenes that are really driving forward will just help athletic departments recover a lot more quickly uh, when things bounce back. So making sure you're being really careful with your resources and thinking about ways to, um, you know, keep your people and and make sure they're doing a great job for your teams. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Uh, one final question. What piece of advice would you like to share with your peers across college athletics? Uh, I, I think you know, I've, I've heard this a few times and, and I, don't, I don't think it can be um, stated enough though. Like you said, it is a tough time right now. Um, whether uh, someone's maybe out of work looking for a job or just that they're, uh, you know, they're, they're stressed out with all the different things that are going on in their personal life, in their professional life. 
um, as well as just that we're all dealing with things that are just different at work right now. It's just not, you know, not what it used to be is. Uh, the best one I've got is just, you know, be comfortable being uncomfortable. Just go, you know, it's okay. Understand that it's just going to be different. You know, when you go into work, uh, that first game day you have is going to be probably different than the other game, game days you've had in the past. And we're, you know, all adapting. And I think uh, by and large, I've seen, as I've mentioned, tons of creativity, tons of incredible ideas that have come out of this. And um, I really do think with what, even though there's been some hardships and it's been difficult, I think our industry in, in the long run is going to be better off for it. I think there's going to be a lot of positives that come out of it. Um, but I think it, obviously it's challenging right now, but like I said, for me, it's how you be comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, and, and that, you know, that's, that spans a lots of different um, uh, reasons, not just COVID, but, you know, just lots of different things that our country is kind of dealing with right now. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really great advice. Um, thanks, Tim, for joining us today. Um, it was a pleasure chatting with you. I'm hopeful that those wearing financial hats value your perspective um, for the cross-departmental collaboration that you talked about between external operations and others um, with the business office. And um, thank you to our listeners for tuning into News & Brew Sports Biz as we advocate for the college athletics financial voices to be heard. Make sure you subscribe to the series on your favorite podcast or video platform so that you'll never miss an episode. And while you're at it, if you like what you've heard, we'd appreciate a review or a rating. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would really help us too. If there's a topic you'd like to see covered on a future episode, or if you'd like to join us, please contact us through our website at jmco.com. And in the meantime, you can follow us on social media for more news as the collegiate athletics landscape continues to rapidly evolve. Cheers and let's go G. Thanks, Katie.